<laughs> was it, I don't know if you were taking a sip or what. I, are you waiting to take a I, sip? I never know. Are you being strategic so with I'm, your sipping? I'm, I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. So. Hello. And it's as good as it's going to get. Hey. So. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the home of professional podcasting. You have to, you still see, now you have to move in a little bit so people can see. I know, right? Now we actually have... uncomfortably close. So. Well, that was, I was going to say that was my nickname in high school, yeah. but that's just, <laughs> let's not. Except I know you and it wasn't. It was so. not. It was. I'm going to slide this slightly. Put that thing back where it came from, or so help me. Uh, <laughs> hello, Hi. everyone. And welcome back. It's good to Welcome be back. back. Not that anybody in the podcast no, the podcast know, did so. not miss you. Although I don't remember if I posted you it last not. week or not. You did not. Failure. I did. So oh, you yeah, you posted. I posted the audio. the audio. I did hear the audio. So, so I'll post the video today before posting this. Wow, double feature. Mea culpa, culpa mia. Double feature. Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? I did. It was wonderful. Uh, you know. Wednesday was 70 degrees, and you know, in the. So that doesn't sound wonderful to me. Uh, it was nice. It was, uh, it it was shockingly cold when we went to Savannah the next, you know, a day or two after that. You know, we're on the water, and mm-hmm. so you know, there's Breezy. all that. But it was it was cool. I've never been to Savannah before. Uh, I'm sure that you've been to Savannah through. Well, you said you've been to Savannah I have for some actually reason. Actually, physically been to Savannah. Yeah. yeah, and through any number of, of Hallmark movies and so on. I don't on know and so if forth, there has been a Hallmark movie in Savannah. There I, should be. I think two thirds of historical novels seem to be set in, True. in Savannah True. somehow. But you know, Pride and Prejudice in Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> and zombies. And yeah. zombies. That was one of them in Savannah. Yeah. So uh, we have a guest today. We do. Our our uh, special guest. Because you were gone. Yes, because I was playing hooky. Uh, I got to actually. Uh, listen to the church service on uh, on the live stream, which was super cool. So, uh, invited a friend of mine um, from uh, well, I'll let him tell a little bit about it, but from uh, Word Partners uh, to come and uh, commandeer the pulpit, and I was uh, very pleased. And as as you know, and anybody who's been around for a while knows I'm, I'm very picky about who we bring in and uh, so I was able to turn over the uh, pulpit to our friend Dave Dehan uh, with great confidence because I know uh, from whence he comes so uh, with that welcome Dave hey it's great to be here long time listener first time Nicely played. Obviously, a, uh, a a good sports talk radio listener right there. So, <laughs> long time listener. I, I just listened though for the first time. I, I mentioned that earlier today. I I, I had to get a little context. So, um, enjoyed listening to last week's uh, podcast uh, on my on my drive as I dropped off my son to school this morning. I don't know if that gives you context or not, but we'll go. <laughs> you know, that that's a comment we don't often get, right. that somebody enjoyed listening to well, the podcast. Well, that's true, too. You know, it was, you know, often it's... A, it's, it's a Christmas miracle. You know, I, I suffered through listening to your podcast, right. and I feel like I've done penance now, and, you know, so anyhow. <laughs> and Dave, uh, I, I'm currently sipping hydration from my, uh, from my new Word Partners swag coffee mug here. Nice. So it's filled with water, not coffee, but... I, I hold that up to the video screen for those who are watching, and uh, I want to thank you for that. And we will, as is our semi-custom, uh, when, we hook, when we remember, <laughs> hook you up uh, with the uh, Something Real podcast mug next time I see you. Ooh, so very cool. We'll get wow, you hooked up excited. there. So. The, it's nice to have people excited about our podcast. Right, the, the mug's probably cooler than Dave, the podcast. Dave, can you come but, every week? Okay. <laughs> I'm a little bit more excited about the coffee 
mugs on the podcast just to well, disclosure. Well, I understand. Here, well, that's st- fair. Stacy is too, so yeah, there's there's all of that. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but Dave, we were we were happy. I mean, Rich wasn't here, so I'm not. I'm gonna discount what he says. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you were here for our first Sunday of Advent, um, which is you know. You're the only person to ever do that. Right. So that was a big deal. But um, and when I heard that you were going to be talking about Ruth, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't what I'm used to for, you know, we're going into the Advent season and the Christmas season here. And we automatically think about the Gospels and, and pulling things from that. So going back right. to, to Ruth, I really uh, ended up enjoying and, and really appreciating uh, a new perspective on that for me. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want to get too far into it before you're able to, to introduce yourself and what you, what you do here, but I just wanted to make sure I thanked you for that. And I wanted to let you know that I really appreciated your message. Well, I appreciate that feedback and yeah, I was definitely looking forward to it. Now listening to, uh, Pastor Rich talk about the criteria for guest preachers. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty relieved that I made the cut, um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, being with Real Life Community Church on Sunday, and it was it was a joy to to be given the uh, task of kicking Advent off. I, I love Advent, um, you know, not for all of the the Christmassy stuff and the trappings of that, and that's all fine. But you know, I think as I'm getting older, just the idea of having uh, four Sundays set aside to really focus on how all of God's promises are fulfilled in Christ and, and how all of Scripture, you know, the Old Testament is pointing forward to that mm-hmm. and everything from the Gospels on happens as, as a result and the implications of that. So it is it is fun to open up, especially the Old Testament, as we think about anticipating Christ coming and you know Advent means means coming means arrival right. uh, to go back and, and see how God um, and I, I love how uh, Rich you you titled the sermon through the ages you know that God is working out His great plans of redemption through the ages and, and how we can uh, you know see the the seeds of that. Uh, in the Old Testament. So I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Sure. Well, before we get too far into our discussion today, I, we did want to give you, you know, uh, for those who have not gone or have not seen the uh, the sermon from this last Sunday, you can check that out either on the uh, podcast, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, or uh, you can go back and look at the live stream video. But uh, Dave, for those Which who Which is have, also available on the website. At it's Real, available on the website. Reallifeonline.org. Or Facebook or YouTube. Um, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's like the chicken uh, <laughs> uh, but Dave, if you want to talk a little bit about uh, what you do and, and what Word Partners does, go for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Word Partners is um, in international ministry. We really fit into the category of, of missions, of global missions. And our mission is to elevate God's word in the hearts and lives and ministries of pastors and their people uh, around the world. Uh, ultimately, what we want to be about is nurturing movements of God's word. If you go back to the book of Acts, as the gospel is beginning to go to the nations, the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, has these little summary statements, or actually 
markers, textual markers for the structure of the of the book of Acts, where he'll just summarize what was going on, how how the gospel was moving out, and he'll he'll say things like the, the word of God increased and multiplied. It sounds like the word of God has a almost a mind of its own, and, mm-hmm. and we want to be part of that movement of God's word. Uh, unfortunately, for a lot of pastors around the world, they don't have confidence in God's word to, to, to preach it. And often that's because they've received little or no formal biblical theological training. There's an, uh, a statistic out there that says that roughly 85% of the nearly 3 million pastors worldwide have received little or no formal um, training. Uh, but we want to save those pastors as we gather them together. Um, you know, that's that doesn't prevent you from having confidence in God's word. And we want to equip you with the essential principles of biblical interpretation so that you can go to a passage of scripture and you can study it and you can draw out the main idea and the transformational intent and then preach that to your people because that's how God transforms his people and that's how the gospel uh, goes to the nations and uh, we actually do that in small groups of a dozen maybe 20 at the most pastors really life on life immersing ourselves in a book of the Bible, um, working out those principles, and then training them in a methodology that they can train us. We only want to see the, the Word of God multiply, and as uh, they train others who will train others, that movements of God's Word uh, begin to happen. So my role is director for church partnership, which means I'm connecting with the churches in mainly in the U.S., that uh, partner with us to support and make the work happen or are considering that. And an aspect of that is also the work we do in the U.S. because we're beginning to train more and more pastors uh, in the U.S. who have a heart for the Bible, have a heart for expositional preaching, and want to sharpen that in the context of a fellowship of a, of a small group of pastors. Um, tons more I could say about word partners and what we do, but I'll just I'll stop there. You guys can ask questions about that or clarification if you'd like. You know, um, something that, that struck me, you just uh, hit on it as well, but you mentioned not in the sermon, but in the uh, earlier part of Sunday morning when you were talking about word partners, just some of the pastors who are, uh, some of the stories that you shared of folks who are just like yes. in the service. Somebody writing, listening to the songs right, and like and trying right. to come up with a thing. I was like, whoa. You know, and, and, and my wife kind of gasped as we were, we were driving at the time. And she's like, wow, I, you know, I can't even imagine that. But that's not only overseas. When, when no. we're talking about internationally, that's throughout the world, including the U.S. You're seeing things like that or folks who rely strictly on uh, – on, um, the you know taking things from the lectionary so that they're not actually preparing the word, they're only relying on what they're given, and that's certainly not everyone preaching from the lectionary. And I don't mean to imply that in any way, but it is interesting, in a tragic sort of way, how many folks even here in the U.S. where we have access to everything. I mean, there's we have yeah. seminaries. You know, virtually every state has has. Uh, Bible training and seminaries available. We have so many <clears throat> um, uh, things. It, it just as far as our libraries, we have we have resources on our shelves that most of the world doesn't have access to in the same way. Uh, and yet we have such a um, we're so 
illiterate when it comes to the Bible, uh, it, it's astonishing at times. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, t- two sides of the coin there. So I, I mentioned um, as I was talking about work partners uh, to your congregation on Sunday that you know we've we've worked with pastors who you know one guy said he'd be flipping through his Bible during the, the singing portion of the service looking for a passage I to preach. That. Or another pastor, and probably more than just one, who was, is downloading a sermon the night before. And I think we have a lot more compassion for pastors internationally or, or in the majority world, where you know that pastor might be probably working a full-time <clears throat> job or two, and has a whole family, right. and may have become the pastor or church leader because he was the first Christian in that village and folks are like, yeah, you got a Bible, you be our pastor and you preach. And, and, and so we tend to have a lot more compassion for those folks um, because, you know, they, they don't have the resources that they maybe uh, don't have the, they don't know what they don't know and they don't have confidence in God's word. And it's, you know, they're still learning and it's just overwhelming and so forth. Uh, and we, that, that's a great number of the pastors we serve around the world, but, but, by no means is that exclusively who we serve. And then you have the other side of the coin, Rich, as you mentioned, here in the U.S. or or maybe in the you know first world context, where we have so many resources. I mean, just you know, I'm sitting in my study at home and I've got my computer in front of me, and with a click, I can have all kinds of resources in front of me. I can have the original languages in front of me, and even though my Greek and Hebrew really stink. I can I can <laughs> transliterate and have it all in front of me. Absolutely. Um, and yet we sometimes pastors don't have confidence in God's word. They have they have confidence in other things, or they're intimidated. Yeah. Because there's there's a mega church with a really I mean not necessarily slick in a bad way, but a really polished communicator. Very often slick in a bad way, but very often <laughs> not exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> But his, you know, and his podcasts are out there, and he's on the radio, and all, right. everybody in my congregation can listen to that guy. And he, he's so much better than I am. Well, Boy, that is a change, isn't it, over generations past, where yeah. you know, we, your your local pastor um, just preaching week in and week out is being compared to you know the 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 YouTube preacher. You know, I I'm getting these edited versions of, of things that are put up, you know, ours are not edited because we don't have the time to be able to do that kind of thing. But, but, you know, where you've got a church with a staff or a, a, a you know, a broadcast or podcast ministry where you're taking that, you know, however much content and you're editing it down. So it sounds really good. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's overwhelming and intimidating to many pastors, but it's also, I think, a little disillusioning sometimes to uh, congregants, those who are in the pews listening and saying, boy, my pastor doesn't sound like that, you know, and and a lot of times we don't have answers for questions. Like I had a, a parishioner here um, not too long ago say to me, well, how do we know that our interpretation is the right one? You know, the, there aren't there a lot of different interpretations of the scripture? And, uh, you know, this person says this, this person says that. And I think a lot of pastors don't have those answers, unfortunately, because in the U.S., while we have a lot of seminaries and we have a lot of resources, they're not all sound. And, and increasingly, we're seeing this progressive movement uh, and when I say increasingly, it's not new in any way, but it's becoming pretty dominant 
among seminaries and, and so-called Bible schools or so-called Christian uh, universities that uh, take a very progressive, um, theologically liberal approach to the scriptures. And they're not being taught uh, many of the things that, that are out there. In fact, um, Dave and I met through uh, the Word Partners for, for those five people who were familiar with it before. It's a recent name change. Uh, used to be LRI, Leadership Resources International, felt that Word Partners was, was a better reflection of this. Not World Partners, which I'm sure as an international ministry is often confused. It's not World Partners, it's Word Partners. It is a, a ministry to the world, but it's a ministry through the Word as we partner together in that. But uh, Dave and I met... Um, through the core training uh, cohort uh, called Fellowship of the Word. We meet, have met in Lansing for the last four years. Somewhere along the way, Dave joined us, uh, I don't know, a couple years in. And uh, as, you know, as we got together for the first, you know, they called it Taste and See, and we were going through Jonah and applying these dig and discover principles that that are endemic to, to this process, uh, it was kind of amazing the number of folks, and the, and I think everybody there was committed to a high view of Scripture, mm-hmm. uh, believes that God's Word is inerrant and infallible uh, and divinely inspired in every word. And um, it, it was kind of shocking how many of the guys expressed that this was really the first time that they had learned this type of, uh, of approach to exegesis to hermeneutics to interpreting to the homiletics of putting things together to communicate the word they had they, some of them had been to seminary and never heard this some mm. of them had been to bible college and never heard this and so it was kind of shocking to me that that's the case among those of us with a high view of scripture right. imagine among denominations or churches where there is a, a more progressive um, what i would call a low view of scripture Kind of takes you aback as as you're thinking about it. So, uh, as much fun as it is for us to talk about that, and we could continue. So, see, I feel like you two could talk about that all day. <laughs> well, and you and I talked well, about Stacey, that. Stacy, you're so. still there. I'm I am. Stacy's still there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Have you noticed that Rich talks a little? <laughs> that. Yeah, that's he's known so me for a while. We would have no. We would have no podcast. Like this, a, a virtual room and. You're, you're lucky to get in the word, but do your best, Stacey. You can do it. It's okay. If See, it, now he's just playing because well, I don't were, do the virtual room stuff. No, you, you don't. Know, so. If Rich wasn't here to, to rein me in and, and talk about theology, it, I would just talk about 90s things all the time, so he it, needs to be. <laughs> and I tend to be much quieter at our Fellowship of the Word gatherings than I am normally, oh. but once I get started, I just don't stop. So that's, well. you, know, you, you know, you get the podium and you don't give it up. Anyhow, <laughs> as we are... Uh, progressing into this i should point out dave that that while we do have high standards in uh in who we select to fill the pulpit it is not required to be a university it's not required to be a university of michigan football fan however that is a very strong bonus so uh well done by the way in connecting as you alienated 51 percent of the audience by using sports right. illustrations which i have that was a very often, rich thing to do. Yeah. Often been told that you should never, ever do that, which only inspires me to do it more. And as a Notre Dame fan, I even appreciated that plug. Got, so. got the Rudy plug in there. So Two things on that. I was I was thinking about, of course, 
huge, if you're a U of M fan, huge weekend. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm basking in that. I didn't get to watch the game, but I was getting play-by-play yeah. updates from my son. <laughs> I'm basking in that, and I'm driving Sunday morning to Three Oaks, you know, running through the sermon in my mind, and should I, should I lead with U of M? Yes. And I get there, and I, 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 I have to admit I've forgotten her name. Uh, one of the, the dear ladies in the church is already sitting there, and she's got an MSU shirt. Oh, that would be Deanna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deanna, Deanna, yes. And I'm, and I'm thinking exactly what you said about alienating at least half the congregation. <laughs> I think Brad had a better name shirt. Uh, Deanna, if I say something about you know, U of M football, if I begin my sermon talking about that, will you listen to anything else that I say <laughs> the rest of this? And she was so gracious and kind. She was like, oh, yes, no, no. You know, so I went with it. Based she gets that, excited about I football, I'll tell you that. I've been a Notre Dame fan since I knew I was <laughs> super close to South Bend uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we've got a pretty uh, pretty broad uh, spectrum as far as those three schools. We've yeah, got, MSU. you know, about, uh, you know, we've got probably a third Notre Dame, a third Michigan, a fair. third MSU of those who care, and then some who, who <laughs> don't care at all. Uh, but I, I also like that you immediately brought in the Hallmark movie, so Stacy's ears were perked up. Yes, you know, that so was the that moment was, I started uh, listening. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so you, you brought that all in, and, and Tom Brady is sort of a, he's a whole other level. That's that's a level of celebrity that goes beyond sports. So that all felt very familiar. Anyway. So well done. It's uh, it, it, it works out pretty well. But uh, anyway, what what I'd like to do, even though we're we're well into this, I just want to take a moment to read the text that. Dave was preaching, um, because I think this is the type of text that often gets avoided in mm, Scripture. Yeah, and I so, agree. and we, we've talked about that here, even you know when I was preaching Leviticus and and, and so on. It, we have this temptation to skip over things that yeah. are that seem dry to us, or you know, we we don't like genealogies. We right. you know, which is funny because we spend a lot of money, uh, you know, going to what is it? Uh, Ancestry. You know, Ancestry. I've been super into that this year. You know, but when we get to a Bible, so I thought uh, I was Mexican. That's right. That's a, <laughs> Polish Stacy found out she was actually Mexican. So, um, anyhow, it's uh, <clears throat> as we're. Looking at this, we just kind of shut it down. We do the same thing with the greetings and right. and the closing salutations in the epistles. You know, anything that kind of slows down the 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 more energetic flow, we run away from. And one of the things that that I learned, Dave, I can't remember if you were with us. I think you were at this point when we were doing Genesis and Fellowship of the Word. And I had not seen. I had preached Genesis and and. Uh, I'm a little afraid to go back and listen to that now, but uh, but one of the things that I don't think I ever caught prior to this was that it's the genealogies mm. in Genesis that are really the pillars that that support the whole thing. And that's the thing that you're like, oh my goodness, I've right. got to keep going through. People this. skip over it all right. the time, and then they say, well, I don't understand why the Bible's so hard to understand. Well, or why it's because you're skipping there? the glue. Yeah. You know, you're. I th- I think I texted you about um, in Exodus when I was like, why do I need to know what they were building these <laughs> right. buildings with? Or right, with yeah. you know? <laughs> right, and so when, when we leave out parts that don't appeal to us as a modern audience, right. so to speak, uh, then, then we're missing out on some greater, um, uh, in, in the meta-communication as well as the content truth, it all works together. And if sure. we don't, 
get that, then we miss it. So in this particular passage in Ruth, I, I, I mean, I've read it before, but it's one of those things, you know, you just feel like scanning over. But Dave, you, you pointed out how this, you know, I mentioned earlier, how is Ruth, you know, associated with Advent season, but this is pointing to the arrival of Jesus, you know, down the line, this genealogy is Absolutely. is talking about the arrival of Jesus. So it all, it's amazing to me when those moments happen and you're like, oh, this is something that I probably would not have given the time of day before, but it's really important. <laughs> so yeah, uh, go yeah. ahead and read that. And when you do, I, I think you see that it's there, right? right. You yes. can see that I wasn't just making it up. No. <laughs> it's there in the text. And when you think about the, the context, which we get, have a principle called traveling instructions, where this fits mm. into the flow of scripture in terms of the, the um, just chaos and weeping and gnashing of teeth of judges and the lack of a king. And then you get this wonderful little story uh, called Ruth and it ends, you know, with Jesse, Father David, and David is the preeminent example of a human king. Uh, you, you start to you start to hear it differently. Yeah. Right, and then we then when you get to Matthew, in Matthew chapter one, and Matthew starts the gospel with this yeah, that was boring part that everybody yeah. wants to jump over. That was cool. But I mean, you see, basically, this lifted from Ruth and placed yep. into Matthew one, that was and, cool. and to make those connections. You know, this is w what we recognize as biblical theology, that, that the Bible is one overarching story mm -hmm. from beginning to end. And we talk about that a lot here at Real right. Life, that, that this, it, it's not individual pieces. It's right. all one, one story, yes. and, and Christ is at the center. And so all of these things are pointing us toward Christ, whether it's you know, New Testament epistles, whether it's you know, the, the revelation and, and the eschaton as, as we look um, back toward the cross and forward toward his second coming. I mean, in all of these things, Christ is at the center mm -hmm. one way or another. Mm -hmm. And so while Christ isn't mentioned in Ruth, it's once you put those connections together, letting Scripture interpret Scripture, yeah. it, it's pretty easy to see. Yeah, going wow. from that to Matthew was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I would have never made that connection, but even though it's right there, plain as day. And, so. that, and that's what we really want to right. be able to do from the pulpit all the time is to be able to help people make the connections. We don't yeah. want to make new connections. We're not trying to preach some new gospel. We're not trying to, you know, help you feel better and live your best life now. We're trying to get you to see what God has already said and then to apply that to life. So just like with the podcast, we want to connect the reality of God to the realities of life. That's what we're trying to do every time every time a preacher with a high view of scripture comes to the pulpit. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. That that's the nature of expository or expositional preaching is to let the text determine the topic, and we're going to go from there. We're going to we want to have the same main point that the author has. We want to have the same tone that the author has. We want to be able to put that across. So, uh, without further ado, let me read from Ruth chapter four, verses thirteen to twenty-two. So Boaz. Uh, by the way, uh, Dave uh, preached from the ESV, which is an outstanding translation. I want to. Uh, highly recommend that. Uh, I, however, will be reading from Heaven's Preferred Translation, the NIV 84, not the NIV 2011, which is Heaven shaking its head. So anyway. Um, Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> Heaven's not always shaking its collective head at the NIV 2011, but... Oh, boy. Anyway, before I go off on another soapbox there. Uh, so Boaz took Ruth, and, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, 
Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Thus endeth the reading. And so as we uh, get to that, uh, one of the things that you pointed out, and, and this is not really where I wanted to go, but I'm having fun, so I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, one of the things that you pointed out, I think, very appropriately, is that while it's named after Ruth, by the way, correct me if I got this from somebody else. I listened to a lot of sermons over the weekend. Uh, the, uh, while it's named after Ruth, and we focus on Ruth's activity here, it's really told through the lens of Naomi, and, and, and she's kind of the centerpiece here in seeing her sweetness turn to bitterness and then being redeemed here at the end. Yeah, it really is. And I have to admit, that's something that I hadn't noticed until more recently, as Ruth is um, a book that we sometimes do uh, in our in our workshops, as I've studied it uh, at, at a deeper level in recent years. It really is through the lens of Naomi. You begin the book of... Um, of Ruth, it's named after Ruth, and I, I think I said this in the message. Ruth's a wonderful example. She, there's so many things to commend about this woman and uh, godly woman, and we should we should recognize her. And of course, she is going to be part of the line of Christ, so she's clearly a major character. Uh, but the author is wanting us to see that the emptiness and the bitterness right. at the beginning of the story and how God redeems that by the end of the story in the life of Naomi. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, you know, the, the child, this is her grandchild, but as the townswomen sing and worship God uh, for him giving this son, it's all in relationship to Naomi. Right. The child is going to be a restorer of life and a, and a nourisher of, of her old age. Absolutely. Uh, of Naomi, which, you know, again kind of the thing that we're doing as a ministry is just trying to help people be attentive readers of God's word. And I think that that's just, um, you know, one of the principles we talk about is asking good questions. Right. And a, a great question to ask in any passage of scripture is what is, what's surprising here? I was just thinking that I, every time I, I hear that question in my mind i hear tim sattler our friend from word partners asking that because that's one of his favorite questions what's the surprising thing here and to me and and it really emphasizes what you're saying about naomi in verses 16 and 17 when it says then naomi took the child laid him in her lap and cared for him the women living there said naomi has a son they don't say ruth has a son they don't say naomi has a grandson there's a significance in this And, and the power of understanding the trajectory of her life and and honestly very much in the same way we see this in in Hosea with with his relationship to Gomer being a parallel of uh, of God's relationship to Israel we see the same thing here as Naomi's life parallels yes. not only Israel but but us as well 
You, yes. you, here's where you belong. You wander from where you belong right. to go elsewhere. And when you come back, you, you're experiencing this darkness, this destitute state, and you need a redeemer. And right. we, we see in Christ this kinsman redeemer who not only takes the place of the, of the husband father in redeeming the land and the promise, but also uh, makes us his bride. Right. You know, Christ makes us his bride. And so all of the fullness of the relationships that God points out th- from creation all the way through, the, the, the family illustrations that God built in, I mean, it, it's... Someone recently said, and I can't remember who it was, but I, I tweeted it because I thought it was it was dynamic. That you know, uh, our heavenly Father is not uh, a metaphor for our earthly Father. Mm. Our earthly fathers mm. are metaphors for God. That that right. everything that we see here, the, the family is a metaphor for for our relationship with God. Uh, human sexuality is a metaphor for that. Everything that we see in this temporal world, it's not less real. But it has a deeper, broader, more vast, eternal purpose right. in teaching us. And when we look at, at just this, just this short passage at the end with the genealogy in Ruth, there's so much content that we would miss if we were to skip over that. Yeah, and you know, um, something as you were reading God's word, right? Something jogged in my my mind about this passage that I don't think I brought out in the message, in the sermon, <clears throat> excuse me, but which it just reminds me, just every time you go back to God's word and every time you read it, there, there's more to draw out. But as you're reading verse 18, and uh, I have to admit, I don't love how, how the NIV translated this, but the ESV translates it, these are the generations of. Yes. Yeah, I happen to have the ESV in front of me as well. Are the generations of. Yeah. It takes us all the way back to what you were talking about, the structure of Genesis. Right. And that's that's a marker in Genesis. These are the generations of. And so I think that's I think that's purposeful by the author. Uh, he's he's taken us all the way back to God's eternal purposes, uh, to to bring glory to himself, to to create a people, uh, to redeem this world. Um you know, to all that's good. He's taking us all the way back to Genesis, and these are the generations of uh, bringing us through the patriarchs. When he mentions uh, Perez, who is was Ju- one of Judah's sons, mm-hmm. um, and then then you know, full all the way to Christ in uh, Christ being in Jesus being the the true Davidic descendant, that 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 eternal King, that eternal Son of David who would reign forever. Mm-hmm powerful stuff when when we when we actually read the bible attentively it is astonishing how much power there is in the word the word that is preached and and i think that's probably the thing that i really want to communicate to to all of us as christ followers is it's not about so much the the person in the pulpit as the message in the pulpit when you know we look at even uh, we talked about this recently in our reforming the church series that uh, w- during the, the great Protestant Reformation, uh, worship changed, mm. right? The, the way worship was done changed. The furniture in the church, in the church building, in the sanctuary changed. Mm-hmm. And so when the pulpit was 
made the central piece. It was elevated and it was big and heavy. And uh, it was not elevating the preacher as we might understand that kind of a thing today. Right. It was elevating the preaching of God's word. And so when we get to a place where we are not judging the, the oral calm skills of a preacher, but we are judging their faithfulness to the word, we will find that there is such a powerful impact in our lives because the Spirit speaks through the Word of God. Mm. And when the Spirit of God speaks through the Word of God to the people of God, we find ourselves transformed in ways that no preacher, no speaker could ever do. And so when we find these these slick mega church preachers and so on and, I, and when i say mega church i'm not i don't mean to to knock size size really has nothing to do with it bigger isn't better smaller isn't better better is better and and but when we find these celebrity let me say celebrity preachers maybe sure. that's a better yeah. way of saying yeah. it not just famous preachers but celebrity preachers there is such an emphasis on all of the the trappings the excitement the you know pound the pulpit that was one of my uh homiletics professors uh, back at I went to Grace Theological Seminary in Winona Lake and, and uh, used to always say weak point pound pulpit you know that that's the thing so that you know it, sarcastically of course and, and that's we rely on that a lot of times sure. if I can put if I can put an energy an, empath, an empathetic passion into this then people will will find that connection but that doesn't mean they're going to be connected to God they're going to be connected right. to the speaker and we need to connect them to the word. Well, I think that's why, Dave. Again, I'm gonna, you know, puff you up a little bit here. <laughs> that uh, th this was done so well on Sunday, and I, and again, I think I took it maybe from a different perspective than before because I believe you said this. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's it's like this ultimate redemption story, and who doesn't love that? You know, we we love seeing that in movies, and we love seeing you know the the person who has been through you know turmoil come out on top or or, or be redeemed whether it's you know through a situation or another person or whatever so it would be easy to take ruth and just kind of turn it into this feel-good thing about us but that passage at the end that's that, often how it's preached right and but that passage at the end that you focused on uh with the line uh and the genealogy there really kind of I don't want to say shifts the, the, the focal point, but it really ties it into why everything in front of that is so important. And, and so I think seeing both of those, those aspects within the story is incredibly important. Otherwise it would have, it could just be seen as this feel good story that, you know, is meant that can be preached as like, Oh, you can be redeemed and you can have a great life and you can whatever. Yeah. But that little passage at the end, I think is, is huge. Yeah, you're exactly right, Stacey. Um, Can I get that in right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you have in a couple of things come to mind. One is that Ruth and, and any book of the Bible, they are a unit. They're a whole, mm -hmm. right? The, the chapters and the verses, they can be helpful for finding the address, but that all got added in, you know, way after the fact. It's not inspired. Right. Ruth was written as a unit. It's a book, and it's a short book. It's a, it's a beautiful short story you can read it at one in one setting in just a few minutes and there is a, a main idea there's and not just a main idea but also a transformational intent to the book as a whole and you've got to read it as a whole um even before you start dividing it up into sermons to understand um you know what what that whole is um and it, 
so that's you know that you mentioned earlier um, something to the effect of, "Oh, I would have never gotten it." Well, I think you would have gotten it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> as pastors, we want to we want to sort of show our work as we're preaching through the text and, right. and how we got there. And the pastor always has the advantage, or should, that he got to spend uh, many hours during the week working right. through a passage. Sure. But part of what we emphasize for pastors and, and preachers and teachers and expositors is uh, show your work. Right. Show how you got there. Help Your sermon ought to help your people to be better readers of the Bible. And if it doesn't, then we're doing them a disservice. I mean, we're Absolutely. then we're tying them to ourselves, lifting ourselves up in this, you know, we talked about sacerdotalism not too long ago, this idea that the priest ha- has a special uh, special. Um, uh, power, you know, that the, there are as a special class of people that uh, God speaks through them right. and, and so on. But God has spoken through His Word, and we are we are a nation of priests. So, you know, we this is who we are in Christ. And so, if I'm as a preacher, if I'm coming up with something f- from this text that you can't come up with from a plain reading of the text, there should be some red flags. Mm. Ding, we, ding, 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 ding. We yeah. should be looking at that. Warning bells are going off. Right. Yeah. So uh, as you're talking about this, why you've mentioned twice now, and I'm glad that you have because it's one of the things I want to ask you. When we talk about the main idea and transformational intent, can you take just a, a moment to explain what we mean by that and why that matters? Why is that important? Yeah, yeah. So I want to start big picture sort of, and then kind of narrow it down. Big picture, it, it goes to a, a theology and an understanding of God's word and what God, what God intends for his word to do, that, uh, that there's power in God's word, that it is his um, intent. I mean, just think about the, the creation came into being by the word of God. He spoke and it happened, and God said, and it was, and God said, and it was. But that continues throughout Scripture. You think of uh, the prophet Isaiah and, and uh, you know, saying God's word is not going to raise God speaking and through the prophet Isaiah. My word's not going to return void, but it's going to accomplish everything that I intended. And then Jesus comes as the word, the word of God made flesh. God spoke his final word through Jesus. And then Sounds as like he a Michael Card to heaven and the spirit is poured out upon God's people, uh, they're sent to the nations. And they're sent with a message, the gospel, the good news, the word. And we believe that God has infused his word with power. So we want to help, we want to study God's word in order to get, in order to understand it, to get the information, but that we're only halfway there Hmm. uh, because there is that transformational aspect. Um, We don't just want to be informed, we want to be transformed. So wherever you are in God's word, you know, as you're reading it yourself or as you're preparing for a Bible study or if you're a pastor preparing to preach and you're going to preach on a, on a passage, some unit of scripture, uh, could be a verse or a sentence, could be a chapter, uh, you know, could be a, a pericope or a paragraph, whatever that unit is. We emphasize studying that and working through some essential principles of interpretation that help you to get, okay, what is the main idea here? What is, the, what is the essential truth that's here? That's step one. But then go the next step. God the Holy Spirit has put this passage in his word for a purpose, to change us, to transform us. 
So what is that transformational intent? How should this truth, this reality, transform and change us? And then if, if you're the pastor or the Bible teacher or the Sunday school teacher, that's the thing that you want to emphasize. That's what you want to, uh, as God helps you uh, communicate and, and transfer to those that you care for. Yeah, and you know we talk a lot on on the Something Real podcast and and at Real Life about the idea of this this pendulum swing that the devil loves to keep us away from from that center of truth, swinging to one extreme or another on this pendulum. And one of the things that that approaching the text with this in mind to to find the author's main idea, not my main, not what I yes. want to get from yes. it. Right. Yes. I want to to take out of it, to exegete from it what he's saying, not. Not to eisegete, not to read into it what I want it to say. Bless you. But yeah, uh, and, and we talk about that the principle of staying on the line of right. what the text says, not going above it and adding to it, or going below and taking away from it. But but what this does in in having the main idea and transformational intent, what the author is saying, the content of the main point, and what he wants us to do about what he wants us to, right. how he wants us to be changed by that. And and more specifically, how, how he wants his original readers to be changed by that. Yes. And then we can draw those principles out for ourselves. Sure. Uh, Dave mentioned traveling instructions before. That's the idea that, that I have to go to where they are before I can bring it to where I am. Right. I got I to gotta be able to follow the connecting flights there. But but as we do this, it, it keeps us balanced between the, the cold ivory tower intellectualism that studies the Bible as... A textbook and the the subjective pietistic experience that's so commonplace in our world of of what does it say to me you know there's there's a time to get to that after we've gone through what it says mm -hmm. but we don't find truth in what it says to me I was just listening to Al Mohler this morning talking about a, a, a celebrity medium in Hollywood and uh, one of the things that that can't. yeah it, it, <laughs> it's it, anyway uh, one of the things that stood out to that was Jennifer Aniston saying you know she said all these things and you know it's not necessarily that there are truth claims and not you know that there's that it's a right or a wrong but it really resonates with me there are certain things that resonate and we look for so often in our spiritual and I won't call it Christian but our spiritual experience that that wears the guise of Christian uh, the the personal. It right. resonates with me, the personal experience. And so then we bounce all around with without sound doctrine. We can't have a, a systematized theology because we don't have a biblical theology. Right. So we pick and choose the things that fit what we want in our mind. Or we interpret them the way that we want to interpret them. Right, <laughs> because it has to speak to me. Right. And then right. we leave churches because I'm not being fed or right. whatever other hogwash we like to throw out there. Because of the fact that we're not seeing what the author is trying to say through the text and how that should change us, right? right? And so uh, when we are, we're not, we're looking for, there should always be an experiential component in that we are connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. So the experience is a an objective experience, not a subjective experience. It's not based on our feelings, but it's a change in us, a mm -hmm. transformation leading to a faith-filled obedience based on the actual content of God's Word and the power of His Holy Spirit in us. And if we get away from that, where it's, 
I'm reading and I know about God, then I miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit in the transformational experience. Mm -hmm. And if I'm just seeking after another experience, that this new high point, this emotional vibe of my Christianity, then I'm veering away from truth Mm -hmm. and I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit bring the word to light in my heart. So we need to make sure that, that we're focusing on what the text says and what we're supposed to do about that. Right. You know, uh, Alistair Begg likes, likes to talk about the what, the so what, why does this matter to me, and the now what, what mm-hmm. am I supposed to do about it now that I know. And that's when we start to get into the application part. That's when what it says to me matters. So now that I know what it says, I know why it says it, I know what he expects from his original readers or hearers, okay, now what can I draw from that in 2021 in my setting today that can make me more like Christ. Right. Well, we will, uh, Dave, I'm I'm not sure if Rich told you that our podcast is supposed to be a half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) But it rarely is. That's really become kind of... Yeah, it's it's kind of become a sarcastic uh, piece of humor for us. So. <laughs> but um, if there are any closing thoughts that you you might have uh, to wrap us up here, I'll I'll leave that to you. Believe it or not, we used to have a ten minute podcast. That's true. So. I don't know how we did that. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just struck me, Rich, as you were speaking again. It really goes back to our understanding of the nature of Scripture. That this really is God's word. It's, it's a revelation from the living God that is ultimately, you know, it's, it's first of all about him. Amen. Uh, our, our understanding is that he has spoken through human beings. You know, he's the capital A author. Human beings were the small A author. But they were intelligent people who, um, you, you know, the, we, we need to read biblical literature in many ways the way we read other literature just i'm trying to say okay what was this author trying to say right but with the bible we know that ultimately it was god who was wanting to say that and that he intends for what he has said to change us uh to to draw us closer to him to transform us more and more uh into the image of christ and and this is why we can have uh, confidence in god's word and so you know ultimately what we're trying to do at Word Partners is encourage pastors and their people to have confidence in God's Word. Mm. God is going to accomplish uh, His redemptive purposes through it for His glory and for our good. Amen. Well said. Okay. Well, we will end with that. Dave, really appreciate you coming on today and, again, speaking on Sunday. Uh, is there is – I'm not sure – I mean, you might you would know more than I is. If, if people want to learn more about Word Partners, is that – yeah. What what Again, what information they, is available out there? Me, uh, thoroughly enjoyed being with Real Life Community Church. J- just a sweet, dear congregation of folks. I, I really enjoyed my time, uh, and and of course you gave me an opportunity to talk a little bit more banter here. Appreciate <laughs> that as well. Uh, if you want to know more about Word Partners, wordpartners.org, wordpartners.org. Easy enough. Um, check us. Check out our website. Uh, and if you have, if you want to know any more information about it, you can email me at church at wordpartners.org, church at wordpartners.org. 
Okay, and we'll put that in the uh, in the uh, description of today's podcast as well, so people can do that if they want to. Um, do you have any closing thoughts, Rich? So many. I know. Okay. So. <laughs> as always, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you do have any questions or comments about today's podcast, and even if they're directed toward Dave, we can get in touch with him again and uh, and uh, get those answers for you. So feel free to email us at something real at reallifeonline.org. Uh, you can leave us a comment on Facebook or YouTube on the on the video. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC or through the Anchor app if that is how you get your podcasts. And I think that's all I have as well. Outstanding. Thank you. Which also happened to be your nickname in high school. It was outstanding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you again, Dave. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll catch you next time.